Hi and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project podcast, episode for the 29th of March 2020. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and this month, the Sunday Lunch Project manager meets my good friend, Gordon McCullough, the factory builder. But first, a word from our sponsor. Sponsorship for this episode really comes from my guest from a few weeks ago, Dr. Karen Thompson, uh, and the Responsible Project Management team, who are launching a regular online lunch and learn meetup to support project and professionals through these difficult times that we've got at the moment. Um, These will be interactive sessions uh, with the aim of uh, sharing some insights and ideas about handling the current situation and I should probably mention is that currently we are in the middle of the COVID-19 um, uh, situation and therefore lots of things have changed, lots of project management, lots of people working from home, having lots of different ways to um, work. And this virtual um, meetup is a really good place for a bit of support, I think. Um, so at the moment, it is uh, the inaugural event. It's going to be on the 1st of April uh, and they're planning for the first and third Wednesday of each month. And it's not an April Fool, uh, take it from me. Um, so yeah, get along to that. I'll put a link in the uh, uh, show notes uh, to Karen's uh, LinkedIn post about it. And then you can uh, go and register for that and hopefully exchange some good ideas and give each other some support. Uh, as ever, if you are out there and you're thinking you want to like to, or you know someone who might want to support or sponsor the show, then please let them get in touch. Uh, Sunday lunch PM pod at nigelcreaser.com. I also wanted to mention in this sponsorship section is a new website that's been launched um, by a group of uh, key leaders within the project management uh, community and uh, the pmtribe.com is what it's called uh, you may have seen some of the things hashtag p- the pm tribe or hashtag pm tribe around um on social media uh highly recommend it, it it's um free for a month uh, i think they got their kickoff call early next week on wednesday so uh get in on it get that free month see what it's like have a look at the content there's a whole bunch of content going through every day from Monday onwards I think so um, you'll have the likes of some of the guests that I've had on this call like Peter Taylor and uh, Colin D. Ellis um, and uh, I think they, their uh, um, faculty of training there is going to expand but looking even before they got their official launch the content that on there looks like it's going to be pretty good so I recommend getting on that thanks very much so the single biggest thing this month is obviously the effect of uh, COVID-19. Um, as I speak uh, in the UK here, we are approaching the end of the first week of lockdown and my second week of isolation, of self-isolation. 
Um, we had a couple of cases suspected uh, in my office a couple of weeks ago. So it's been, um, surreal's the best word I've uh, really been able to use. And I've kind of toyed with the idea of, um, of putting out a, a separate podcast or a blog post or an Instagram video. But I've decided against it as there, there appear to be lots and lots of great information coming out. But I was also, when I first scribbled something down, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And I don't know if everyone else is feeling the same. With the sh- Really, with the sheer volume um, that's been coming out on that same subject. And I kind of wanted, I didn't, I wanted to pass something on, but I didn't want to um, uh, add to that sea that was kind of drowning me a little bit. Um, but I, in saying that, I, I did take some notes and I thought I'll, I'll share what notes I had here and what I was thinking about saying. And the key thing I was sort of recommending, and I've tried doing this with my teams, is increasing the communication has been the key. Um, both frequency and type, because we may have a, a standard way that we communicate with our teams. And um, quite often with us, it is that can be that drop at the side of a desk. For some people out there with a bit more remote teams, it's slightly different and you'll be more used to this kind of remote communication. But I think it was is also a case of, even if we were co-located and something similar, actually touching base with everyone and saying, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And actually trying to take some time to take away from delivery type or project problems, but just personal, how are you doing? How are your family? And actually emphasize that more. And then using different tools to do it. It'd be easy to ping an email, say, are you okay? Or um, maybe I am, etc. EM sucks. Uh, sorry, email sucks as far as I'm concerned because um, it's something that we're, we're so used to. It doesn't give us that. You won't get a feeling for how people are, are, are with that. Um, we used a couple of things that we've been looking at. We've we've obviously uh, we put in some regular calls. Not every day. We've done it every other day um, with a Friday being the um, optional but preferred if everyone pings the video on so we can all see each other's faces because there is that tendency to be on a conference call, on a phone, on text at the end of an email and forget what, not forget what people look like but you're you're not seeing those smiling faces you're used to seeing in, in the office. So I'm kind of saying use video more, use the phone more so people can be away from their desks. Quite a lot of us are sat looking at our computer screens and whereas if we're on the phone we can get up and walk and actually as a personal one I'm trying to get up and walk to move myself around when I'm on the phone. Um, The other thing I'd say is patience as well Um, because in these communications people may not get back to you as quickly as they could do or um, uh, may misunderstand what uh, the communication is because you haven't got those uh, non-verbal uh, messages that you get in those face-to-face conversations that we'd, we'd all have out there. And I suppose in general the written word sucks so call and check if you're not sure. If someone writes something down, I use the example and a bit of bit of topicalness is I, there's the words I did not say she bought all the toilet roll if you emphasize each of those words you say I did not say she bought all the toilet roll I did not say she bought all the toilet roll I did not say she bought all the toilet roll 
and I did not say she bought all the toilet roll, all three of those, all four of those sentences have got the same words in. If it's on IM, if it's on email, text, whatever, it's the same thing. Um, it, it's the emphasis you don't get. And you can't get that very easily unless you're on the phone or talking or seeing them talk it. So just think about that before you react maybe to uh, an assumed tone of an email or an IM. Um, and, and the other thing is we, we started using WhatsApp. You could use a similar sort of streaming message, but basically it's it basically you've got a... Um, um, in the morning, people are going on to it and going, good morning. And in the evening, have a good weekend. As if you were in your office as you're walking out the door or as you walk in the door. And a little bit of banter on there and a little bit of a few jokes shared. Obviously sensitive to other people and, and, and etc. And, and, and other people's don't want to be offending people. But it's kept that team feel and that cohesion so I, I recommend doing that and that good morning is it's a nice thing to see that your colleagues are there and saying good morning to you um that's kind of enough on that subject as i say i felt a little bit overwhelmed on it uh, incredibly overwhelmed at certain points um but, uh, but the rest of the month kind of aside from that um i had my single biggest day right in my uh, novel I can't remember how many words it was, but it was my biggest single day since I started trying to write it, interspersed with lots of inaction. So I've kind of been swamped doing other things and not focusing on it. The interview roster is looking a little sparse at the moment, especially for my month-end interviews. So I'll be, uh, uh, if there are people out there I've pinged messages to, and you've said maybe or yes, I'll be firing out more chases on those. So prepare yourself. Or if anyone out there knows of someone who would like to be on the show or if you'd like to be on the show just get a hold of me at uh, Sunday Lunch PM Pod at nigelcreaser.com um, I've still got a bunch of scheduled yeses to schedule uh, so I'm going to grab hold of those guys soon and I think that is really everything I wanted to talk about today and um, oh no there was one other thing which was about the fact that I mentioned last month that I was um, potentially going to put put into the PMI uh, TED at PMI conference for October, and um, I did in the end. I did it uh, with oh, I think I had about fifteen minutes um, uh, left with the cutoff um, after lots of procrastination and, and, and dithering through the month. But I put it in there. It's in October. Um, I don't know whether they'll um, uh, take my idea. Uh, it, it might not work. It might work, but fingers crossed. Um, so maybe that'll happen. So anyway, on with the interview and have a chat to uh, Gordon, the factory builder. Thanks. In this month's interview, uh, I meet Gordon McKellar, the factory builder. Gordon's a professionally qualified project leader and project director at Prime Design Projects, who are independent global specialists in the filling and packaging of infant formula and liquid food and beverage. He has implemented business and capital projects around the globe, leading and inspiring 
dispersed project teams from different cultural backgrounds. And welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project podcast, Gordon. Thanks, Nigel. Glad to be here. Yeah. Looking forward to this one. I said I'd get you on it, didn't I, when we uh, had a chat last year? Yeah. So let's start at the beginning, the beginning of Gordon. Where were you born? I think some people might be able to guess the region just from the accent. Well, certainly. Uh, it's, uh, it's a country rather than a region. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, apologies. But anyway, um, no, I was born in Paisley uh, in uh, the west coast, near the west coast of Scotland, just near Glasgow. Lovely, lovely. And so, and where do you live now? I, I'm living in Ellesmere in North Shropshire. Yeah, just up the road from me. Yeah, not far away. Yeah, and uh, interesting that we, our chat last time we had about the fact that we'd known each other for quite some time and then never got round to having a chat mm-hmm. to, for it, a while. It was project management that brought us together. It was, yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So, and family, have you got family, wife, kids? Yeah, I've got a, a wife and three children. Good. And uh, and so you said you were born in West Paisley, in Paisley, Paisley North, West yeah. Scotland. So um, is that where you you grew up? Uh, yeah. I grew up in Paisley, went to school in Paisley, and then went on and studied in uh, Glasgow, at Glasgow University. What was it like growing up in Paisley? What was What was Gordon's childhood like? Oh gosh, um, it's so long ago I can't remember. <laughs> um, I no, bet there it, was some highlights. It, it was good, it, it was exciting. Um, I lived near the school, I, so I just had to walk to school. Um, I, and then I grew up I, in the Scouts and went sailing oh, wow. a lot as well. So, I, yeah, a lot of outdoor stuff, um, quite a lot of scouting uh, as well. My dad uh, founded the scout group there, so so I started off uh, there, went through that, and eventually led the scout group. Oh, wow. So if I need to, uh, you can be at the Bear Grylls sort of thing, then. You know all that stuff. I could, yes, yes. Yeah? yeah. So with the... Camp, with wild the... camping, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I see, I see, yeah. So we need a fire, you're the man to turn to. I'll be able to light a fire. Brilliant. I light many fires in my projects, so. <laughs> <laughs> and put a few out sometimes, I guess. I, I try to, yes, yeah. Cool. So yeah. you said sailing there. Um, was that um, was that lake sailing out in the ocean or what? I'm, like, I, I'll, I don't know where, obviously I know where the west of Scotland is. Um, yeah. No, it lot looking where Paisley is in that area, it just kind of doesn't, uh, is that like north of Glasgow or it's south a, of Glasgow? Se- se- <clears throat> excuse me, southwest of Glasgow. Yeah, which is, it's not far from the coast. Uh, it's right. about 40 minutes from the coast. Oh, brilliant. Um, and so, so was it a lot of coastal sailing that you were doing or was it like? Yes, yeah, I started off in the mirror sailing dinghy and then gradually I, I went on to a sailing, um, cruising yachts and uh, sailing all over the west coast of Scotland. Um, oh, wow. all, all the way out to St Kilda at one point, so so that was good fun. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And so, so what? When Gordon was growing up, wandering off up to school, doing the scouting, setting fire to stuff, and sailing boats, what what did Gordon want to be? Did he want to be the project director of a uh, leading filling and packaging co- infant formula company? 
Yeah, um, I, it wasn't really at the top of my mind at that point. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually didn't know uh, what I wanted to do, like, I guess, like many people. Um, but I love traveling. Um, so I thought uh, learning a language wouldn't be a bad idea. So I, I studied languages at university. Um, but I got I got through university and still didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, so I, I decided, well, I'll go into industry and manufacturing. And I, I became a, a management trainee in, in a local whiskey packaging company. Oh, wow. Excellent. So you yeah. said you went you went university in Glasgow in Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah. So what was what was that like? What, what, what did you what languages were you studying and what were you doing there? I studied French and German there, and uh, and a bit of history as well. So, um, so so yeah, it was good. It's it's a great university, right in the centre, or on the west end of the town certainly, but it's not far to the centre. Yeah, and what was that? Was there lots of uh, usual shenanigans of university life there, and was it a straightforward one, or did you take gap years and go in? Because quite quite often from my understanding people doing languages tend to go to the countries for some time to actually get a bit of uh, that usage of the language rather than just the pure study Did you yeah i went that? quite a lot <clears throat> i went quite a lot to france but just during the summer i i didn't take a year out i like like many people do um but they spent a lot of time in in paris actually uh, with some friends and relatives over there so and what did you do while you're over there did you work or did you chill out no, no, it was a, it was literally six weeks of a, of holiday and a, Real? yeah, no, it was good. Brilliant. So just doing the tourist thing and seeing friends. Oh, excellent. So, so obviously with uh, coming out of the language and you, you, it's kind of a stereotypical thing there, saying you're going to work at a whiskey company for a Scotsman there, mm. and doing the packaging that. So what, what were you doing? What was that first job like? I uh, well. It was it wasn't a whiskey filling company um, uh. or a whiskey manufacturing company. It was making the packaging for whiskey. Um, so basically, so is this uh, like the, bo the boxes? The boxes, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the cartons and then the boxes. Uh, my first job was as a work study officer. So I I stood in the middle of a uh, about a hundred uh, workers all erecting cartons, uh, telling them how fast they needed to work. Uh, which wasn't very popular, I must say, because their wages depended on, or their bonuses depended on what I had to, on the times they got and how many cartons they could produce per hour. So, jeez. And how old were you then? Then I was twenty-one. And I suspect there were quite a few long in the tooth people working in there. Just a few, yes, yeah. It, it was the the time where um, the print unions were fairly strong, so we had a good few debates about say. Uh, how fast people should work at. Yeah, how did you? And of course, being being a being a young, a uh, ambitious manager, I was maybe a bit enthusiastic with some of my times that I gave them. <laughs> <laughs> a stretch goal. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, did you did you enjoy that? I, it was a good learning experience about uh, working with people and and perhaps what. Could have been a difficult situation, um, but uh, but certainly I I was able to to get on with people at that point, which uh, I think partly established uh, what I like to do is is working in teams and so on and, and overcoming difficulties with uh, relationships and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good uh, a 
kind of uh, that practice zone there, isn't it? I suppose. Mm-hmm. I I noticed something in in what you said there, and I, I don't know if I picked it up wrong there, where you said they were when I said making the boxes and, and you said they were making the cartons and later boxes. Yes. Did I pick up that there, there are two very, to me, yeah, a box that you put the, and what I call a box that you put a, a whiskey bottle in and a carton. I would think of them as the same thing. Is there a specific distinction in your industry? Then? I get, I guess it's, it's uh, the carton is what the bottle goes into a, and what I call the box is probably uh, more accurately a case. Um, so, so the cartons would go into the, into the box or the case. Um, right, I see. So. Yeah, I just thought there was, a, there was just a, there was a a, a differential differential there that you'd pulled out. Yeah. So, so you you were there. You were working as a, a uh, as this uh, work study officer. So, how how did you move from that into this wonderful world of project management? Well, um, and why? And why did you do? I, I guess I, I mean, my first job as a as a manager was was uh, actually at that factory, and and looking back on it, I suppose it was, it was a project where we we had a problem with um, laminating a uh, printed sheets onto corrugated board. It was the first time it had been done, and uh, and we couldn't get the the um, sheets to come out flat. Uh, they were always bending, so. Uh, we ha- had to work with the production team uh, to bring up a technical solution to that particular problem. Uh, so I suppose that was my first first project. Uh, glad to say we did it successfully and uh, on to produce many uh, many sheets of laminated uh, whiskey cartons that you that you can see now. Um, so, so was that with the first in your company? Was that a sort of like an industry first? I I guess it was close to being an industry first at that time. It was a uh, it was high quality lithol printed sheets uh, going onto cardboard and because of various uh, technical issues it was difficult to make them flat but uh, but uh, we succeeded in doing that at least on a small scale um, so so that was good but i that that kind of led into production management jobs and operations management jobs uh, for the first uh, 10 years of my career um, i moved uh, from glasgow down to bristol uh, where I was an operations manager in a, a flexible packaging a plant where we made uh, medical packaging and toothpaste tubes and, and all sorts of different uh, uh, films um, uh, for for wrapping crisps and sweets, etc. Just anything that is flexible packaging we would make. Um, so I then moved on to the, from there down to Portsmouth and I uh, joined a Another packaging company uh, that was making cartons uh, from, again, many different industries. Um, And then uh, I got a job in a plastics caps and closures factory. Um, But that wasn't, it was originally to be uh, the operations manager or or factory manager of a new plant, but the plant didn't exist. And I was taken on to build it. And that was my first what I would recognise as major, certainly industrial project, uh, was to build uh, this packaging plant up in Wrexham in North Wales, which is why I'm now based in, in Shropshire. Right. Um, so that was my first project. And I didn't have a clue about how to go about doing it uh, initially. So that was that's, interesting. That's quite a, um, 
because quite often I, I, coming on to my next question was going to be what was the first project that you remembered and kind of you kind of said you you were the you had your um uh, uh the one in, uh, where you were trying to get the litho litho right yeah and then then but then you, you kind of your first what you sounded like there was your first in quotes proper project that yeah sounds like a massive project for compared to a lot of us who in their first projects were i think my first project i probably had two people and 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 uh, a scope to write a form or something to in in it yeah uh, maybe 40 50 days worth of work as a project if you like <laughs> i'm guessing it was the scale of that was quite significantly more than something like that well it was it, i guess it was it was about 18 months long um there were probably around about 12 project teams thereabouts in the various disciplines from uh, uh, the architects and the uh, builders uh, through to uh, the sales team the production teams um, it was a it was a whole business we were putting together uh, and it was also also relocating an existing plant into a into a new plant and, and moving the employees from from that old plant uh, down to the new plant as well so so th there was everything involved in it really uh, from relocating equipment to uh, buying new equipment to recruiting new staff we were growing the business as well uh, and of course putting up a factory so was that moving that factory from relatively local yes yeah so it was kind of within the same sort of thing you weren't doing loads of laying off and things like that as well it, it, it was just yeah it was just just next door I, okay. to it so um i think we about doubled the size of the workforce so wow so there was a lot going on so what do you what do you remember about that what did you what did you, you say you you didn't know what you were doing how did how did you deal with that something of that scale well, and I, I was fortunate. in quotes not knowing <clears throat> sorry in quotes not knowing yeah uh, what to do i think uh, i was fortunate in that the the company i joined and the management team that i joined had already put together a, a group of um a project teams and listed the project teams um i didn't really know anything about project scope and project planning or or even Microsoft Project Gantt charts at that time, mm. I had to learn very quickly. Uh, but it, I guess a lot of it was just common sense and, and just understanding what it was we were putting together and, and what needed to be done. And with the help of all the people within the business, um, all the experts within the business, um, I was able to I, to pull it together and, and create the, the new factory. Oh, wow. So thinking about that being your first project obviously you've gone on and continued with that project career of yours and and in my mind and we i think we've talked about this before how i look at something like that an 18-month project with lots of um um heart building and all that sort of stuff and i think it, it's, it scares the hell out of me with the infrastructure design thing mm. and, but i'm guessing you've had projects that have been bigger than that piece of work since so what what would you say is the largest project you've you've run and what i suppose when i say large i don't necessarily mean budget i don't necessarily mean days or people or whatever it's more felt the largest the biggest or significance probably a better word than large uh, to you and whether that was actually mm. something that it affected the business you were putting it into or the 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 people who might 
benefit from it or something like that what, what would you say was the largest project you've managed and and what did you learn what was the key things you learned out of that one i the the largest project was probably i was when we moved to america i with it with the same company in fact and we had to build a flexible packaging plant um, but none existed in the location uh, that we were building it, uh, although they had two factories elsewhere. Um, so we were creating a new plant uh, in a new location uh, just outside Chicago. And uh, to do that again, we had to recruit uh, everyone for the business. Uh, and we had to train people up in the technical aspects of how to run uh, the packaging machines. Um, so we set up a training center prior to, to building the factory and uh, we ran the training center and then um, we, the technical manager ran the training center and I built the, the factory and put that together. So it was very, it was very similar to the, the, the one in Wrexham but uh, on a much larger scale. Yeah and so what, what, what would you say would be the key learnings you got from that piece of that project? Yeah, I think I think by that time uh, I was beginning to to understand projects and 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 how to to run projects. In fact, uh, that was where I joined the PMI. Um, oh yeah. I, I took my uh, PMP exam out in in Chicago, and uh, that supported the uh, that particular project. Uh, and therefore, I was able to put a structure around uh, what I was doing and understand uh, why I was doing it. Um, so so the whole aspect of, of learning the, the the hard side of project management if you like um in terms of processes and procedures i uh, was one of the biggest things i learned uh, but but the other thing again it, it like in all projects it's about uh, the human side of the project and, and building relationships and uh, i would say it was that was the f first big international project i'd been involved with i uh, and and one of the things you learn is that that Generally, people are the same the world over. They want the same things. They just have different cultures and speak in different languages uh, a lot of the time. But um, uh, if, if you treat people well, then uh, they tend to respond. Cool. So obviously, that's a big, successful project on time, on, t on, on scope, I guess, and on budget and all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, contrasting that in your career in in delivering it, what's your biggest screw up that you've ever had? And and again, what did you learn from it, or did you learn nothing? <laughs> well, that 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 is easy because whenever I make a, I think about what my my biggest mistakes were. One come, jumps to mind, and in fact, it was in the first project that I mentioned, uh, building the factory in Wrexham. Mm. Uh, the, the project was uh, running late and the architect came to me to say, look, I, I can speed this up by putting um, panels on the roof uh, that had uh, uh, sandwich panels on the roof. So they didn't need to put um, rock wool up uh, and uh, take extra time putting the, the insulation in, into it. So I thought that sounds like a good idea. Like, let's go with go with that. And of course, I, I put the poly the panels up filled with polyurethane foam, only to find that the health and safety advisor said I couldn't do it, but I hadn't talked to him beforehand. And mm -hmm. uh, 
the it was the materials that uh, were flammable and the insurance company wouldn't allow flammable materials in any uh, building that they were insuring so i guess that that taught me i i need to understand um i need to talk to insurance companies first when we're building factories uh, and to sit with the health and safety uh, managers and they uh, understand what the the requirements are for uh, their buildings mm. You'd have, thought the so architect, it, you'd have thought the architect would have known that, wouldn't you, though? You would have thought that, but uh, it, it was it was materials that uh, they had used in other plants, so I guess uh, it was nothing no. nothing unusual to them. We managed to get around it, though, uh, and find a solution to it, which was to to underlay the, the roofing with um, plasterboard so that it, if, if the factory did catch fire, then it would take longer to um, penetrate through the, the roofing panels in the roof. Wow, because otherwise would it have been to strip it all out and redo it all with it? Probably yes, that was one of the one of the other options. Jeez, but it didn't happen. So let's go back to a positive view. Um, in all of the project deliveries you you've you've done, what what would you say is your proudest project delivery? Oh, that's difficult to say. Um, I mean, I'm I'm proud of all of them. I it's it's great to to create something uh, from from nothing, um, all the different factories I've uh, built uh, all around the world. Uh, it's been great. It's been travelling to these places, uh, setting up a project, setting up the project team, and uh, and actually bu building factories or installing production equipment, whatever that may be. Um, but I think um, there's two two things I would say. One is a working in Brazil uh, with a group of uh, project managers. I was a consultant to to a company there and they had a, a load of young project managers uh, who were just starting out in their, their careers and it was giving them support and, and helping them um, to, to overcome problems, uh, find solutions and uh, just teaching them how to run projects and I think that's something I'll always remember uh, and helping them uh, in their careers and I'm glad to say most of them have stayed in project management so so that was the from a work point of view that's probably my proudest achievement um, the the other thing I guess in a personal life was was sailing out to St Kilda and that was many years ago and uh, when you think about it say a uh, project management is, is a bit like sailing and you know achieving a destination organizing a, a crew and so on uh, so it was nice to to be able to do that trip. Oh, wow. So you think so? Some of that um, structure and, and thinking ahead uh, is that sailing sort of same sort of methods that you'd use. Yes, yes. You you plan a route. Uh, you bring a team together, and uh, you uh, work your way towards a destination. And and what about the when you you hit a squall? Is it called whatever? Do you, yeah. Is that the same sort of thing? Is dealing with those those risks and and that is managing those in the best way you can. It is. It's it's, it's a, a specific set of risks, whether it's say uh, the wind or, or or the tides or rocks and navigating. Uh, you it's it's planning ahead. You, you look at what might happen uh, and you make plans to uh, to to divert or do something different. Um, or to, to stay in harbour and, and, and not proceed until you're sure 
it's safe to proceed. So very similar in, uh, to running projects. Never ever thought of it like that. That's a really nice, nice um, sort of. Uh, what's the word? I can't remember the word that they use. Analogy for it or whatever. Yes, an, an, an analogy. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to steal that off you and use that. Yeah. You can. I'll try and do that. <laughs> More than happy. Yeah, no one, no one will know I was stealing it. Yeah. So. Hi, it's Nigel here. Sorry to interrupt the uh, interview, and I'll get you back to it very shortly. It's just a reminder that to make sure that you get to hear to these wonderful interviewees and their stories, to click your subscribe button, and then you'll get them into your podcatcher every month as soon as they come out. Anyway, back to the interview. You've done a lot of projects around the world. Um, what what are the highlights? Would you say? I know we've got the we picked the biggest screw up, didn't we? But what what are some of the things that you've done that you kind of go well? That was that was interesting. That or that wasn't interesting, or that was annoying, or that was scary, or that was whatever exciting. What are, what are some of the things that you pop to mind? Um, I think uh, again uh, another project in in, in China I, that I did uh, installing. Uh, equipment. It wasn't building the factory, but it was installing a uh, production lines for packaging infant formula milk. Um, that that was probably one of the most exciting uh, projects I did because uh, I was I was out there uh, on my own initially uh, and beginning to pull it together, and I hadn't a clue uh, about uh, the culture of of in China or the language. Um, there there were many. English-speaking companies out there, uh, which, which obviously helped, but we are working with uh, a lot of Chinese people as well, wh whose level of English varied quite a lot, and um, so it was communication was a real challenge uh, then. And how did, sure. how did you deal? How did you deal with that that communication? Well. Uh, I started learning Chinese uh, or Mandarin. Well, I suppose, I suppose, yeah, with the la language is expert. That's kind of so, what you So say, that, isn't that, it? that helped from a very basic point of view. Um, and, and also it, it helped just being able to say a few words of, of Mandarin helped to, to break down barriers, uh, build relationships again, and, um, and, and begin to, to understand a, the people working in China as well on the project, um, so so that helped. I also just working uh, within teams and making sure that uh, you had a uh, good Chinese speakers uh, alongside you as well uh, to convey what you wanted to convey. Uh, it all helps, but it's still very challenging. Yeah, because I know I know um, from a cultural point of view, I think there's a um, I know certain cultures where uh, they won't, if, if you're sort of like a manager perceived as, they won't tell you they can't do something. Mm, um, that's right. They, and and but so you'd you'd be saying right, well, will you do that? And they'll say I'll try. Mm -hmm. And and that's it was explained to me is, is that when they say I'll try, that means it's not a chance that's going to happen. Mm. But they're not going to tell you they won't do it because mm -hmm. it wouldn't they wouldn't want to. Um, uh, offend you or, or be perceived as not doing well. That's right. Whereas yeah. they really tell you. So, so it kind of one of those things that was kind of. When I looked back, I thought, okay, I can see now. Uh, then I could see where 
I'd been expecting something and so was, yeah, we'll try and get that to you. And mm. then I managed to pick that up then when having the conversations, you'd be able to spot and go, hang on a minute. That person just said they'll try to do it, which means, okay, so mm. we're taking that next step and saying, well, okay, that's great. So when will you do it? Yeah. And take okay. it. And, and, and you only had to give them that out. Yes. Or, or find a way to give them out of that, saying right. So you'll try, right? So if you can't do it by that day, when do you think you would be able to? If yeah. to, if it, if you're going to try, fine, that's great. But what if it doesn't happen? And that gives them the option to give you the the actual. No, I can't make Friday, but I will do it by next Tuesday. But you need yeah. to take that extra step in the conversation that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah. So that, yeah. The, do you find that sort of thing? It, it's important uh, not to lose face. I mean, not not just mm. in China as well, but uh, try not to uh, embarrass people generally um, with yeah. it. Uh, so it is taking that extra step, and it's it's a uh, you know just supporting uh, people uh, with that job and making sure that what you've said has actually been understood. Uh, yeah. by the person that's receiving the information, which isn't always the case, whether it's in someone speaking another language or, or speaking the same language, it can be a checking understanding is a very important part of, of communicating. Yeah, that's no, true, very true. So it obviously as being a, a linguist and that it, communication is something that that's obviously going to be dear to your heart, isn't it? Mm. And, and I suppose, um, does, does it make it easier or harder you being at that, but do you think by ha having lots, or is that why it's led you to go to do these international projects, etc.? Do you think that 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 want of travel kind of led you that way? In in ter in terms of what speaking another language or wanting yeah. to wanting yeah. to speak another language, yeah. I think um, I think initially it was the travel itself. It, it, I mean, we had a very close connection with France and uh, had relatives in France. So uh, it was always, we were always going over to France and holidays and so on. Um, and I think I just wanted to keep on going beyond France and exploring other parts of the world. Uh, the, the language side of things I've always been interested in. So whichever country I go to, I, I try and learn at least a few words uh, of that language. Excellent. So that's kind of all of the, the the kind of your history project sort of thing there's mm. like i said you say your prowess achievements etc um is there anything that you think of your career that that again is is you, you had your china one there any other interesting moments or highlights well, I, I, can't, I can't believe that with the, the scale of things that you've built, and, to, and maybe that's me, isn't it? It's I kind of look at what you're doing. And I, I yeah. actually sit there and I think it, it, it befuddles me about, right, how the heck do you build a, just to build a, a packaging line? How yeah. do you go about doing that? Because it's so complicated and difficult. And as I think we talked about it before, I'll watch um, uh, How It's Made on there yes, yeah. and and I sit there and they got the suckers picking up all these different things. I think they're thinking instead of watching that and you'll be going yeah well, I could do that better you should have built that line differently on there I imagine you're, you can see you, you know, whereas to me it's just like this amazing stack of machinery and and I suppose the, the other and I don't know whether it kind of think but whether it's in your interest of it really where you've got a lot of the warehousing automation that's going on yeah. these days and that's I imagine a lot of that is similar kind of uh, technologies because because that's a bit probably not talked about is that 
Mm. And that, that I found really fascinating about what you've done is where you know, I'll talk to people who are potentially project managers in the IT industry, or you'll talk to a project manager who is a project manager in the building industry, um, or a project manager in in, um, in, in sort of change management and, mm. and business change. But your projects tend to encompass all of those um, items in there. Plus, you've got the the engineering project in the middle of the of the, the thing so it's it's having and I, and I I see them as very and I, I know you kind of use the I think you said before it's common sense in some ways but the managing of those you would see them as very different disciplines and I suppose you mm. do you do you set your projects up with different heads of those different pieces I guess yes yeah I, th- I think I it's the skills required to 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 build a complete factory um, are so diverse that no one person can do it and uh, it's important to work with uh, you know is to put your teams of experts together and to work with them uh, and I guess as a project manager what you bring is that a uh, pulling together those teams that coordination a uh, leadership uh, of it because uh, as I say y- you can't be expected to know everything I uh, that's involved in, in building a factory. So so my role is just one part of a, a small a, or a large group of people, um, who each of whom have their specialisms. And they hopefully, you know, I'm able to pull that all together uh, and make a success and make the factory uh, run at the end of it. Mm. And so do you, do you normally put... Um, project manager to lead those different disciplines i, I guess so i t- team leaders and so on I, I guess there's always this thing in my mind about project and program management i mm. some people might descri- describe it as program management all of that um i just see it as one project yeah. uh, but but each of the the teams does have a leader i uh, be, because the, there can be hundreds of people involved in, mm. in projects like this uh, from from the builders through to the uh, manufacturers of equipment through to the employees within the uh, within the factory so um so, so yes e- each of those areas needs needs leaders or, or project managers so a lot a lot of the things that you're doing is leading leaders there rather than leading the yes leading the, the actual um practitioners a lot of the time yes i would say so yes and yeah. do you see, do you see any difference in the way that you need to to work with in those scenarios, because I'm guessing you're, you're very different levels when you're, you're managing different projects. Yeah, well, well, of, often you find that people, certainly in, in our industry, haven't been formally trained uh, in project management. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not everybody. There are there are many uh, trained project managers, but very often uh, it's not to a PMP qualified or APM. Uh, qualified so yeah. uh, so so you're relying on their skills and abilities as, as leaders and their technical knowledge uh, to lead their teams and, and so you're bringing that that level of a uh, project knowledge um to, to run the project so there's a lot a lot of coaching with, of those guys i suppose i suppose i can i can see the fact that you, if you're going to build a factory and you've got a guy who really knows the engineering who really knows a, a sap thing maybe slightly different there but yeah. And the building of it, well, they'll build buildings and they'll have the engineering knowledge, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not necessarily, I suppose, 
if they're in the business not going to be doing that every every day are they they're going to do hit and misses of those for big chunks of time and then run Mm -hmm. i guess a lot of them transition into running those businesses as well yes they they often can um but just thinking about the project management training and so on, I, th- I think a lot of that will be in-house in some of the larger organisations that we do, but it doesn't necessarily translate into um, in, into joining the PMI or the APM or other project organisations. Mm. Well, okay, cool. So, yeah. last couple of questions, really. Yeah. Um, what was the last project management book that you read? You won't believe it. <laughs> it was, it was uh, the Pimbok. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't read the whole book. I just dipped into it. Uh, yeah. Is that I, the latest I, one? Uh, yes. <laughs> I haven't. I, I I was looking for uh, at the WBS uh, chapter, um, but uh, so so that 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 was the last one I'd read. I've actually uh, just bought a. Uh, uh, Susie Palmer True and Peter Taylor's new book, mm-hmm. uh, Project yes. Management. It's all yep. bollocks, and it's lying on my desk here just now. But I haven't, uh, I haven't started reading it yet. It just arrived this week. Excellent. So I'm Excellent. looking forward to reading that. Yes, that's. Um, I believe it's very good, and I've started reading it, and I haven't finished it. Good. Yeah, yeah. The bits, the bits I've read uh, are uh, a nice, refreshing change to uh, some of the project management publications that I've read yeah, well, before. Well, I heard, I heard uh, them on your podcast as well, so that inspired me to buy the book. Good. Oh, well, I'm glad that worked then. Yeah. That was why why I invited them on to help <laughs> help and promote it. So that's good. I doubt, I doubt this little project did a massive amount of uh, income for them. So, yeah. um, so on that talking to project, what was the last podcast you listened to on Project Management? I again, um, it was a Sunday lunch Project Manager. I think that was the last one I, I listened right. to. Yeah. All right, cool. But I don't, I don't tend to, to listen to to, me, to many uh, podcasts. I'm just getting into the podcast scene, uh, and there's some fa- fascinating uh, podcasts out there in all sorts of different topics. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Um, surprise, my my list is always. I don't manage to listen to all of the podcasts that I've got on my hopper, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some nice diverse stuff to listen to. I find, especially when you're on the road to the to work, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. So that's excellent. So um, blogs, project management blogs. Do you read any project management blogs? Not especially. I, I unless it's by accident. Um, I, on LinkedIn, not so much by accident, but I, I use LinkedIn quite a lot. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll click on the articles I, that are posted on LinkedIn. So I guess that's my main route into reading about uh, project management. I. And some will be blogs, some will be just articles. Yeah, it seems similar to me there, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, penultimate question. What is your top tip for someone who's been a project manager, been in the, in the trenches of project management for a few years? I kind of uh, got maybe got their PMP. What top tip would you give them if they uh, asked you? I think, I mean, we've talked a lot about it and it's probably come through in, in, in the interview, uh, Nigel, is, is focus on relationships um, and uh, don't get too involved in the detail um, and understand what the project is, you know, the scope of the project uh, as well. But uh, 
the primary thing for me is focusing on relationships. Cool. And the final question, except for the contact question I asked right at the end. Um, so on that uh, day when you realised you were in project management, just before you were saying, yes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do this project management. I'm going to build this factory or, or the one with the packaging can do the engineering. What would you tell young Gordon there, the fresh-faced project manager, what would you tell him? I guess don't make assumptions um, is, is probably the key thing. Uh, it's, it's very easy just to, as a young man or, or woman, just to to crack on and full of enthusiasm and wanting to get a job done uh, and believe that you know what needs to be done. It's, it's to understand what you're being asked to do. Um, so don't, don't make any assumptions. Yeah. Like the fact that those roof tiles will be fine. Exactly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Brilliant. Gordon, that's been a fantastic uh, interview. I think there'll be some um, people who are quite shocked at how relaxed you are talking about building a massive factory over 18 months and putting the whole thing in there. Uh, because I think to a lot of us, it's quite awe-inspiring. Um, if people wanted to find out more about you, more about um, Prime Design Projects, what, what what should they do? How can they get in touch? Well, LinkedIn's probably, the, again, the best route. Just uh, put my name into LinkedIn. Uh, or we've got our website as well, primedesignprojects.com. Uh, both both routes will, will get contact details of either myself or, or my colleagues. Cool. Brilliant. Well, all this, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for coming on and uh, you have a fantastic evening and I will see you soon. You too, Nigel. Thanks very much for inviting me. No problem. Thanks, Gordon, for that brilliant interview. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, there uh, are some in incredible building things that, that Gordon's done um, within factories that, that he didn't think particularly um, impressive, and I always think they are. And one thing we didn't get to talk about, what we talked about a couple of days later, was the fact that um, in, in one of the, the factories in, in America that he built, um, in order to um, get products to it, they had to build a siding off a railway so they had to break into an existing railway line and kind of pull that off to the side which just just mind boggles me of where do you start with something like that um but anyway i hope you enjoyed it um if you know anyone who has an interesting take of project management then get them to message me at uh, sunday lunch pm pod at nigelcreaser.com if you've got any questions comments about the show um then use the same email address or grab me on one of the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, using the handle Sunday Lunch PM. And if you'd like to support the show, as I always say, quickest and easiest way, share it with your friends. Ping an email to people, just to help talk about it. Um, you could give me a review. That'd be very, 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 very much appreciated. Um, screenshot it and send it me, then I can see where you've got it, because... The way that I do my distribution doesn't always get it back to me. Grab a copy of When I Were a Project Manager. Um, it's uh, just search it on Amazon. It's free on there. Um, or grab a copy of Project Manager 
Management The Sketches, which is available in Kindle and paperback. Oh, and uh, when I were project manager, you can get in paperback as well. Unfortunately, I can't give you that one free. Uh, I've had the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Sunday lunch PM. And that's it, really. And and finally, obviously, the, the most importantly of all is if you come back and join me again next time. Um, so that's it, really. Remember, hashtag project management is funny. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.